0: Welcome to Vertical Playpen, the podcast all about adventure and experiential education. I'm your host, Phil, and in this episode, I was fortunate to be able to talk with the author of Ruby Finds a Worry, an incredible book in a series of books all about emotions, Tom Percival. Before we get on to some questions, Tom, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to
1: our listeners, who you are and what do you do? So, uh, yeah, firstly, thank you for having me. Uh, always good to have manners, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name's Tom Percival. I'm an author and an illustrator. Uh, I have been doing this job for a long time now. I think I I had my first commercial illustration job well, it was like 2004, I think. Mm. Uh, So that wasn't children's books I used to do. I used to work more in kind of advertising and marketing. And then over time, I just started to feel as though I wanted to do something that, and no no disrespect to people who work in advertising or marketing, but for me, Mm. I wanted to do something that I felt really really good about and yeah and so that was why I wanted to kind of move into doing children's books because I just felt that there was there was the potential to do good work in that area. So um, yeah so for the last ooh, like 11, 12 years I've been making children's books. Um, I also make music. Uh, I do animation. I do lots of different uh, creative endeavours. And yeah, and I love them all. Basically, I just really like making things. Mm-hmm. So that's that's who I am in a nutshell. These books in
0: particular that I, I, I called you about, um, Ruby Finds a Ravi's Raw, Perfectly Norman, they deal with emotions and kids and their emotions and for anyone listening to this any educators listening to this i highly highly recommend you uh, picking these books up and reading them because they talk about emotions in a very simplistic way but it's very relatable and with messages that can be immediately applied to the work that we do and it reinforces the work that we do so what inspired you tom to delve into the world of emotions with kids books
1: I think it's everything you know it's everything to your understanding of the world how you feel about the events that happen around you forms your reality uh, and if you have a healthy realistic understanding of events that happen you understand why people behave in the ways that they do and why they think and say the things that they do it just puts you in a much better place to understand the world uh, so I I just think that it's, it's the most important topic to cover, really, you know, how you relate to other people and what it is that you can do to make sense of the world seems hugely important. And so I just, yeah, I pick a kind of a theme or an issue, I suppose you could say for each book, and then I explore that. So in Ruby Finds a Worry, it's, uh, it's about, you know, what's basically, and again, as you say, these are very simplistic messages for young children, but you know, what. What is the most important thing to do if you are feeling worried or upset about something and of course the answer is to talk to someone about it and you know it's amazing obviously I wrote that book so I'm incredibly wise and yet <laughs> I I often don't take my own advice and I will bottle things up and I will keep it all inside and I'll feel just really rubbish for you know 3 4 days and then I'll then I'll just it'll just come out in a rush when I'm talking to someone. they will go, Oh God, that, that feels loads better. Yeah, why didn't I just do it? if only there was a helpful children's book that could have told me what to do in that situation? Mm-hmm. So um that is why I like to writes books about emotions. Mm-hmm. Do you relate to the characters
0: in, in you mentioned related in the sense of holding on to your worries and wishing you'd spoken about it, but do you, did you relate even as a kid? Do you think of moments when you were a kid that
1: you're like, actually Ruby is a, as a piece of me when you're writing those? Yeah. Yeah, totally. 100%. Uh, I had, I had an unusual childhood. So I, I lived in a, I grew up in a caravan um, and, yeah, you know, we didn't have, we had very little money didn't have a TV, didn't have, you know, any of that stuff. Um, you know, often didn't, didn't have enough to eat. You know, it was a, it was a tricky time. It was freezing cold, didn't have heating, just, you know, it was pretty, pretty austere. So, uh, the one thing that gave me was an awareness of how difficult life can be. Uh, but it also gave me a, what's the word? You know, I genuinely see it as a, as a gift because I had all of this time and I was in the countryside and I could like, I could explore the world around me and just indulge my kind of creative efforts. Cause you know, even though we were really short of money, there was, you know, my parents always made sure that I had like pencils and paper, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there was a library van that used to park like a mile down the road from where we lived. So I could go down and get as many books as I wanted. So, you know, God bless the library service when I was a kid, I definitely went through a lot of different emotions and there were lots of times that I was very angry, lots of times that I was very worried. You know, um, I've also got a new book coming out called Misha makes friends, which explores the challenge of just how difficult it can be for some people to relate to other people. You know, some people find it really easy and you can just like run up and like tap someone on the shoulder and say, Hey, and then it seems like they start a whole great friendship. Whereas for me, uh, it always seems a bit more complicated, and I found over the course of my life that the friendships I've made have always been to do with like my passions, something that I really love, music or art or sports or whatever it might be at that given point. There's something very relatable
0: to the to the way that you you've written about certain emotions, and I mentioned simplistic, but it's in, it's one of those. Uh, It sort of reminds me of when uh, a comedian will say a a joke about things that have happened in your day to day and you're like, oh, I get that too. That's relatable to me. I think it's simplistic in the sense that it's relatable. I think that it's challenging in the sense that people don't listen to the messages that you're then sharing. I think that that is, I can read that and have that same thought that you had that I don't talk enough about it. So that's where it becomes meaningful to me as an adult reading to my kid is that there's that's where I, f- I I find myself emotionally brought into the message of the story, and I leave that story thinking this is a great story. Not because she was entertained by silliness that sometimes there are in children's books. There's jokes and stuff, and that's for a kid. This almost rem- reminds me of, you know, the really great Pixar movies that are that are for so- adults and kids.
1: Yeah, that that is like one hundred percent what my aim is. Mm. I, I feel like when I'm making a story, I'm trying to create something, you know, that's multi layers, and not in the kind of way that the 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 sort of the the themes that might be relevant or applicable to adults. You know, like not not so that the kids would see that and be like, "What? I don't understand." It's just that you could read it in a number of different ways depending on your you know, your journey through life mm-hmm. and where you happen to be. Uh, Cause that's what I love about Pixar. It's not, none of it is uh, exclusive. So mm-hmm. the, the bits that are relevant to adults are also relevant to kids. It's just that the kids read it in a particular way and the adults read it in another way. Whereas say, you know, other animation companies will have like, Oh, here's an adult joke. That's mm-hmm. like something a bit risky yeah. and, and that's something that the, that the kids don't get. And I want everyone who reads one of my books to be able to get it. And then maybe on repeated reads or as you grow older to, to, read it in a slightly different way and yeah, mm-hmm. that to me it's a yeah that's like my aim that's like the kind of the holy grail that i'm gunning for
0: I was driving, dropping my daughter off at school this morning and I was, I listened to podcasts when I drive and I was listening to a latest episode by Brene Brown. She was talking with Joe Biden and they were talking about leadership and something that came up in it was that a leader needs to demonstrate empathy and needs to demonstrate vulnerability. And I think that that's also a, a thematic piece, I think, in the, in the stories that you're telling is that there is a there's an empathetic sense that you're understanding where this person is coming from. And then there's the vulnerability, which is the talking to people. And I think that we, we did an episode called emotions and vulnerability, where we were talking about being adults and demonstrating that vulnerability. And I think that that's truly important to give to our kids. Is that something that you, you take into being a parent? Is that sense of vulnerability and showing empathy?
1: Yeah, yeah, totally. 100%. I I mean, I just feel it's kind of honesty to me mm. i think the most important thing i think so much so much in life is based on you know on artifice and kind of creating an impression or trying to make people think a certain way about you but that's just you know and, and i have done that in my life you know when i was younger like in my 20s you know like i said i mean it's quite class if you think about it i went from you know we grew up in a, i grew up in a caravan had no money all of this stuff and then, you know, basically honed my creative skills and decided that I was going to like move to London, you know, work at that agency, earn loads of money and wear like, you know, really smart clothes. That was never me. That was never, you know, that was never what, what I was about. And so for me, life got a lot better when I was totally honest about who I am and, and I just think it's the, it's the only way to be. And so. I know that <laughs> I know that I have many flaws and many weaknesses and I don't see it as a vulnerability to, you know, to share them. I just feel like, you know, that's me. So why would I pretend that, that like that I'm any other way? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's how I, you know, that's how me and my partner raise our children. Really. It's for them to just Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a terrible cliche, but you know, just be, be who you are, you be you, because Mm -hmm. there is nobody else that is going to make a better job of being you. And if you're trying to be someone else, then you're just going to do a worse job of it than they are. So that's definitely my approach. I think that that
0: is, you know, from a, a tips perspective for any educators listening to this, there is, I've always said in facilitation, which is the the way that, that we operate, facilitation meaning to make easy, that our job as educators is to make it easier for people to feel like they're coming into a safe space. There was a discussion that sometimes when, when kids are coming into a classroom, they're leaving themselves at the door. Because they're coming into a space where they don't themselves feel safe and, and have that ability to be vulnerable. So role modeling that as adults, role modeling that as educators is is crucial to allowing our kids to also demonstrate vulnerability. So when they see, in your case, a book written by an adult telling, talking to them about speaking out and talking about emotions, I think that that holds weight because it's coming from
1: an adult. It's it's all to do with, you know, like there's all of these different societal pressures that we, you know, I say we, you know, but like the the whole kind of the whole mass of society puts on people. So, yeah, you know, ideas about gender roles and like, oh, you are a man, therefore you must be, Mm -hmm. you know, I must show no fear and I must be strong and brave and all of these things. And it's kind of nonsense because obviously there are going to be some people, both male and female, non-binary you know, everyone is going to have certain traits. And at any given point, you might suddenly find that you are, you know, flooded with bravery. And, you know, you hear these stories all the time where people do amazing things and they say afterwards, you know, like, that's, that's not me. (laughs) Like, I I don't do that kind of a thing, but in that moment they did. Mm. Uh, and so, and conversely, you also get people who, you know, you know, who might be always meek, mild and gentle, but suddenly just have a raging temper and do terrible things. It's, you know, humans are capable of so many different things, both good and bad. And I think that by kind of saying, oh, these are, you know, these are male traits and these are female traits or, you know, all of those things, it's unhelpful. You know, I, I feel like, and part of what I'm trying to do with these books as well is explore the idea that bad emotions are necessary you know it's not like you know we don't want to just say oh don't be angry because of course you're going to get angry anger is a useful emotion because we we use our emotions to guide ourselves through life you know and if you're feeling if you see your friend being you know being picked upon or something and you know that then the injustice of that makes you angry and then that's you use that anger to give you the strength to kind of, you know, maybe intervene and help your friend out in some way. So that's an example of how anger can be, yeah, can be used in a positive way. Um, so it's not, it's not about not feeling these emotions. It's about feeling them and understanding why you have them but, and how you can use it to take you to a good place. Cause ultimately we want to move through life in a, you know, in a positive good direction and bad emotions can help you get there. I have found that, you know, there's been times in my life when I've been feeling really, really bleak, really low about things, but you know, it's a, it's a feedback reference, is not it? So you kind of, you know, your body or, you know, you, you look around and you go, okay, I'm in this place. This is not a good place. I want to be somewhere where I don't feel like this. What can I do to get from this place where I am to here? And then you constantly adjust to kind of move yourself through life until you arrive somewhere that you're comfortable being i suppose
0: yeah that's so wonderfully put i think that the emotions often get a bad rap, you know, like that the emotion is the thing. Oh yeah. Anger is anger is bad. The thing that's can be negative is the behavior that then gets associated to that emotion. And so that's the thing that we need to discuss and learn about. And, and there is uh, also what you said, there's an awareness piece. There's an, a need for us to become aware of how we feel early on when we're working with groups and we're working with uh, um, kids, we, do emotional literacy lessons, because I think that we as adults, once again, make put assumptions that kids understand these things. We haven't even taught them the, the language to use. How are you feeling right now? And if the only thing they know how to say is happy and sad there's yeah. that's that's not true it's a huge spectrum of emotion um and there's something we we use called the mood meter so uh, anyone listen to this there'll be a link in the description to our mood meter and, and I'll, I'll send that also to you tom i think that'd be really cool for you to see all the yeah. different spectrum and it's also represented graphically in different colors so i think that that's you will have maybe uh, both your illustrator creative sense will enjoy it also but it's it's really important i think for people to have an awareness one that They have this emotion, but also the awareness that they're not alone, which I think is thematic. And also your books, this feeling of not feeling alone and isolated in a feeling of emotion.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would agree with that. I mean, which probably stems from the fact that when I was a kid, I very much did feel alone. You know, geographically, we lived in this caravan. We're miles away. My nearest friends lives like a two mile walk away. So, you know, it was yeah, it was definitely, and you know, it was on in the, on the border of Mid Wales, next to this place called the Stiper stone So it's quite graphic, dramatic landscapes that mm. you know could be beautiful and sort of you know epic, but then also could be really claustrophobic and sort of cold and austere. Uh, so yeah, I, I would say that that feeling, yeah, that's a kind of. I suppose that's a word of, uh, yeah, I like to include that thread of reassurance because also, yeah, and as you grow older, you obviously realise that you're not alone. There are lots of other people in similar situations. And So even though as a kid, you feel like you're the only, you're the only kid in the world who feels that way, you know, you're not. And I think that that is, uh, yeah, that's a positive, encouraging thought to have, I think anyway.
0: What we're going to do for this next question is I'm going to play a recording. It's just the end part of Ruby Finds a Worry. I was reading it to my daughter, and I think that you'll probably appreciate it. Hopefully, you'll appreciate hearing it. I find that in education that we are often planting trees that we never get to see grow. And that's that's a cool notion in itself, but it's nice for educators, it's nice for anyone really to have uh, an awareness that people are positively responding to the information we're sharing and that it, it, the message is getting out in some way. At the end of this playback, there is a question that Ella's going to ask you. You've partly answered it, but I'll allow you to answer it also. It's a question about what's coming in the future for you. So I'm going to play this now. Okay. Then, Ruby did the best thing you can ever do if you have a worry.
1: He talked about it.
0: As the words tumbled out, Ruby's worry began to shrink until it was barely there at all. Soon, both their worries were gone. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Dad, look how small
0: it's getting. getting. even smaller and smaller and smaller. So small. No, okay, it's almost gone. Mm-hmm. Finally, Ruby felt like herself again. Of course, that wasn't the last time... She ever had a worry? Everyone gets them from time to time. But now that she knew how to get rid of them, they never hung around for long. So what do you think? What do you think you have to do if you have a worry?
1: Talk about it.
0: Yeah, you have to talk about it. Because you're not alone, right? Is that a good book? Yeah. Anything you want to say to the author, Tom? Do you have a question for him about the book at
1: all? Um... Are you going to make any more books? Right. So there you go. <laughs> well, I, I hope so. I definitely <laughs> hope so. I uh, and uh, you know, basically, yeah. I, I I want to just keep making things. I want to keep making everything. Uh, it's it's what I do. You know, I can't I can't imagine. I just I don't know what I would do with my time if I didn't make things. You know, cause like I'm doing a I'm making a cupboard at the moment for for my mm. eldest kid's room, and you know I like doing that as well. I like kind of you know getting tools out and saws and like making a big, you know tangible thing. I like mm. making things on the computer. I like drawing things by hand. You know I like doing any sort of creative endeavour. Um, but I'm definitely you working. Know, I've definitely got a, at least like three more books. Cause I've got them that, you know, they're, they're finished and waiting to come out. Oh, excellent. Uh, so there is uh yeah, there's Misha makes friends, which is, out, it's out in the UK already, but in the U S it's coming out in February, I think something like that. And then there's this book that I'm just putting the finishing touches to called Tilda tries again, which is another book in the same series. um, And it's about a girl whose world literally turns upside down. um, And then she has to, cope with this new world where her bed is on the ceiling and her toys are on the wall and she can't reach it and it all seems too overwhelming and she feels that she can't do it Uh, and she ends up giving up and then yeah she receives this moment of inspiration and decides that she can she can try and she and she just does tiny little things and she does small things and then she's able to build up to the point at which she doesn't even the world doesn't seem so upside down anymore. And then the less upside down the world seems, the easier she finds to cope. And it's this story of um, resilience, I suppose. It's like coping with, coping with change that's thrust upon you. Um, You know, largely inspired by, you know, the whole pandemic uh, and the, you know, how I saw the effects of that on my children. And, you know, the fact that, yeah, often life does present challenges that you wish it wouldn't, but, these challenges you know it's just something that you have to find a way to overcome and nine times out of 10 you do you know I, throughout my life there have been various different challenges which have been difficult and awkward and made me wish that i hadn't had to go through them but then actually in retrospect looking back going through them is what you know it's kind of what made me who i am and gave me the perspective that I have and, and all of that. And I feel like if I hadn't gone through the challenges in my life that I had, I maybe wouldn't have that empathy that that I have. And I wouldn't be making these books because I'm you know, because I'd be like, oh life's fine. Do you know what I mean? It's like you just breeze along and you know, you go, you know, have a nice house, you go to a nice school, you do all this stuff. And yeah, the fact that I didn't, I feel it just gives me a kind of an insight into what the world can be like. And so I do like to see, and a terrible cliche again. But I do tend to try to see challenge as opportunity, not in a kind of like I'm going to make lots of money out of this, but just you know, you know the bad, bad basically bad things are going to happen, and how are you going to deal with that? I suppose.
0: Well, that that in it in itself is experiential education. We we're, we're learning from our experiences. That's the the industry I work in we create challenge. We, ha- we, we build ropes courses that we call challenge courses. They're not success courses. The, the aim is to allow people to challenge so that they're able to grow and learn about themselves. I think that what you just shared, other people can experience that feeling too of the challenges in their life have created the opportunity for them to learn more about themselves. Thank you for answering that question. I'm going to have Ella just say thank you as well.
1: Thank you, Tom.
0: When I listen back to Myself reading and hearing Ella respond, I get excited because I feel like they're in those moments she's she's clearly understanding the message that this, the the book is trying to tell. She's she's learning from it and she's able to answer that. We've read that book enough times that she was literally able to finish the sentences. So, but it, she's the message is there at the end, like what what should you do? We should talk about it. What is your overall hope for readers when they read your books?
1: I suppose I just. I would like people. I would like the readers to feel that they, yeah, to feel that they can be who they are. That you know, that that's fine. That that's great. That that's perfect. You know, that that's how it should be. That they can, yeah, sometimes get angry and sometimes feel sad and sometimes feel worried. But you know that that these problems have solutions. All problems have solutions, and you just need to break them down into a small enough chunk that you can deal with at any given time, you know so I suppose that's it. I would just like I would like the people reading the books to feel that whatever they feel, whatever is upsetting them will be fixed. It can be fixed and they can get through this. and that's always the case with everything. Thank you so much,
0: Tom. Once again, I appreciate the your willingness to be able to do this. some backstory to listeners. I, I got the times wrong, so thank you, Tom, for being available to continue this conversation. Yeah, and I encourage anyone listening to this to pick up the books and read them with your kids if you have young kids, but also read them for yourselves. There's no reason that kids' books can't be read by adults and also have messages that carry through are important. And in this particular one, being vulnerable and talking about the way we feel… Especially if you're educated, working with kids, we're really huge proponents of role modeling behavior that we want our kids to do. Um, we don't need to be the, the sage on the stage who's telling people what to do all the time. We, we can empathize and, and be on the same level as the people we work with, kids or adults. So thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for
1: listening to Vertical Playcast.
0: And then what about thanks for listening to High Fives podcast? Can you do it? Okay, try.
1: Thanks for giving. I think I good the guy. <laughs> <laughs>